Nothing said on the hive mind is a recommendation to buy or sell securities or tokens. This podcast is strictly for informational purposes only, and any views expressed by anyone on the show are solely our own opinions, not financial advice. Hey everybody, uh, my name is Jose Macedo and welcome to the Hive Mind Podcast. The goal of the podcast is to provide an inside look into what we like to call Delphi Hive Mind, bringing together some of our brightest minds from each of the divisions to share insights, alpha, and ship posts. Today with us as always, we have Ceteris Paribus from Research, who focuses on Infra and DeFi. We have Jan, who's the managing partner at Delphi Ventures, and Ventures Associate Duncan, also known as Flood Capital. Um... I lead Delphi Labs, our protocol R&D arm focused on incubating and accelerating new Web3 primitives. We're coming to you on ETF day. So to start off with, just like round the go around the table and some reactions to ETF day. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we've already gone, what, over 2 billion volume. Um, we hit over 49K. We're back at like 48 now. But I mean... Bitcoin went from 26K, was where the Cointelegraph intern started the run, right? And we went from 26K to 45 in like three months. And that even still looks like it wasn't enough for what it's doing today. So there's been nothing, people, there's been nothing bearish about this whole thing. Um, it's basically been pretty straightforward. Like now advisors can buy. Bitcoin for their clients, they might allocate like one, 2%. Um, I just have never really seen the bear angle for it. So yeah, now everyone, I guess is gonna, we'll see how these, these flows do first few days. And then everyone I'm assuming is just going to start talking about the ETH one now, but I mean, at the same time, it'd be nice. I do feel kind of fatigued by all the ETF talk because at the end of the day, like okay, this is good. It legitimizes the industry more, especially in the US, um, de-risks it from like some Orwellian complete ban or something. But um, I kind of want to get back to like talking about DA value accrual and like, you know, execution layers and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, hopefully we're not just talking about the ETTF ET for the next like five months. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty epic just uh, in terms of how crypto markets work for the ETH BTC bottom to come in basically on, on the approval, um, which was telegraphed to some extent in the sense that I think it was a, a, a more and more consensus take, especially as you see people on, on kind of CT and, and just others in, in chats, but um, it, it's hard to kind of extrapolate, you know, a few loud people uh, as the, as the exposure of, of everyone else. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much of a, of a rally there is, but it definitely seems like there's just a, a natural kind of catch-up trade internally. I don't, I don't think you'll see too much. I don't, I don't think it's going to be too much external capital necessarily flowing into ETH, but I think you'll see it's it's more of a an, in within crypto rotation. Um, that that I feel like that one was a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like everyone was saying, yeah, as soon as the BTC ETF goes, like then you just buy ETH and then like people are like oh that's right they're right like the market's putting in the bottom here and then just everyone just piles in but it was also like peak ETH FUD right like on, on at least on my timeline it was just like ETH has no narrative 
it's you know it's 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 stuck between yeah i don't know i, f- I feel like it was pretty telegraphed in, in a bunch of ways it was yeah, also in another soul there ETH, right i think i think you had some people that moved into seoul but everyone was still sitting in ETH, just kind of quietly I, I i don't think you had like ETH capitulation by any means yeah not at all everybody everybody owns ETH. um I own and like ETH. yeah because you're <laughs> anything over yeah you just you're in the weeds <laughs> um what was i gonna say um well, the other thing too is like it was also another fake, not a fake approval, but like a jump the gun approval that caused the ETH rotation. So it's exactly what happened. So what Bitcoin. do you think it was a hack? What a shit show the SEC is. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah but they it also is literally the like... Telegraph uh, situation replayed. For yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty funny. Mark, you can believe what he's saying. I mean, I don't yeah. know if you guys read the opinions, but it was also like three out of five of the of the chairman passed it, and like two of them dissented and wrote some pretty scathing things um like we're definitely not merit-based like we don't think about the merits of of any of the of this stuff but this is only used for crime money laundering child trafficking you know like all this stuff and like linking to like their references were like these articles that have been disproved like a million times i don't know pretty wild to see like the industry had to be forced by the courts into doing this and it was pretty clear by the the opinions they wrote that they're not happy about it and i think it's gonna have gonna have a hard time for that reason i mean when did when the grayscale thing happened in the summer like people were not taking that seriously enough like everyone was kind of saying oh this doesn't mean an etf is approved all this they can still go back they can rechallenge in the court all this stuff it's That's like that was a massive that was like a I massive mean, pivot like if that didn't happen who know? like honestly we're, there's no way we, we probably don't have an etf right now um I think it's soon as black. Yeah, but what would have happened? Like Gensler was the tie-breaking vote. He, he was the least dissenting of the of like the two no's were heavily dissenting. He threw in his jab at the end, where it's like mostly speculative and a little bit for the other reasons you listed. But, yeah. And so, like, what would have happened had he voted no? Well, yeah, like for for yesterday, yeah. There's, I don't think he could have voted no. Um, I have no idea. I think, yeah. Yes, but we're not happy about it's it. It's funny how it's like a three of five multi sig <laughs> that ends up getting a three low. Yeah. Yeah, it was I feel wild. like we probably put in a, like a top on BTC soonish, not on alt, but like on B, like in the next like week or so. I feel like everyone's way too excited. The market, like this, was so and like telegraphed to the market and anticipated. Unless you really do just have like this massive wall of money that was refusing to allocate before there was an ETF. Like I'm, I feel like you probably put in some sort of. Short okay, but it was like it was, it was literally illegal for RAs to like buy their clients BTC. Yeah, but like I, I feel like everyone yeah, else is thing. running that, and I it's gonna like the, take a while for those flows to come in. I don't think it's just gonna be immediate. The the bear case is that right that is priced in. People have been front running it, and the bull case is just like there isn't enough capital in crypto to front run like the. The actual like long term flows this thing will, will yeah bring. even stuff like CME like oh long term for sure it's bullish I'm just saying like I think we might have gotten ahead of ourselves like for the next let's say yeah BTC tops in like you know in the next week or so <clears throat> yeah I think you know the the the, uh, the comparisons that are drawn now you see the chart of of kind of gold pre and post ETF but I think I I think that 
will take place, but not for the reason of the ETF per se, right? Like I, I think BTC uh, was much more accessible pre-ETF than than gold was uh, back then, especially to especially with how retail dominant markets are relative to what they were back then. Uh, but I do think the market share for BTC or the 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 the, the TAM will continue growing as you kind of get um, you know just currency dis, uh, destabilization and 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 just the rotation uh, of kind of wealth transfer into you know, people who are the younger generation who's more open to the idea of crypto and, and BTC as a substitute for gold. So I think it will kind of fill that that timeline, but not because of the ETF, but more so just for, for the other reasons. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is now there's all these TradFi boomers that can make money off this and hopefully they'll just stop fudding. You know, like Jamie Dimon, just, just stop. Like, stop fudding. I saw there was one one comment he made that was bullish once, yes, and now he's no. back to he's back to flooding, and he's an authorized participant. I don't know. I, I think, think the, the amount of army... money he makes, like he's he's a billionaire, the amount of money he makes off of this doing well is is crumbs, right? He doesn't care. He, like the the pride thing and being right is is more important. So I don't see his two necessarily changing. I think it might soften a little bit, but I don't think it's going to make him bullish. I'm, I'm just saying, TradFi generally, like, uh, has well, been. Yeah. What's kind of interesting with these ETFs is that none of them are going to make money. Um, I saw like all the ETF guys like Belchunas and them talking about this. Uh, it's been like such a crazy fee race already that you need like hundreds of billions to make these actually worthwhile. And I mean, we're not going to expect that much in these like anytime soon. That's like a tenth of Bitcoin's actual market cap. <laughs> uh, so they're basically just lost leaders. And so what's the angle here for the ETF issuers, right? Is it then you want to get the altcoins down there? Throughout. Well, is it? Well, I mean, is it the altcoins or it's also board. or is it also like you have this relationship with the advisors now and then they're going to buy the rest of like BlackRock's ETFs or whatever, right? But either way, it's it's. Yeah. And the other angle, too, is how this is actually going to be competitive for like the crypto exchanges, because, you know, you buy a Bitcoin ETF, you pay 20 bips for a year. Versus you take a one trade on like Coinbase and you pay that, right? And so crypto exchanges have always been like very high margin. And like if you're a retail person who's just using Coinbase, you don't care about most of the properties of the stuff anyways. You just care about price. And so Sir, there yeah. are no U.S. customers on, on crypto exchanges. Coinbase. <laughs> I mean, other than Coinbase, yeah. But Coinbase I mean, better for us anyway. Yeah, wait, so, so do you know how much Coinbase is going to charge for custody? And of the ETFs? Yeah. No, I have no idea. It's got to be below the fee, so it can't yeah. be too much. Yeah, sure. it's like the, the ones they have more opportunity to make money on are, they, are like ETH if they do staking. Because um, like there's the one in Canada that got converted a few months ago, um, and it's taking 25% of the staking yield. And then there's still like a decent hefty fee on it. But as you're, if you hold the ETF, you can either all hold like a vanilla ETH ETF, or you can do one that does staking. And even though they're taking 25% of the staking rewards, you're still net increasing your exposure over time, right? And I mean, you'll probably see like fee competition on there too, but Coinbase, Coinbase is staking fee as well, like 25%, 20%. So I could see those ones being like a, like an ETH staking ETF being 
pretty good one yeah, for it's, the it's issuers. Brand building, right? You have these leaderboards that are constantly refreshed with flows, and and, and so it's just like a, a measuring contest almost. Cool. Um, so moving on to the rest of the non-Bitcoin, non-ETF stuff, how are you guys seeing? Like, maybe we can go through sector by sector. Obviously, uh, you guys on the research side spend a bunch of time putting together the, these year-end reports, which were awesome. If you haven't read it, if you're not a subscriber, go subscribe and read them. They're, they're the best research reports you can you, you can read. Um, maybe we want to like spend some time going through DeFi, Infra, and, and gaming. Uh, and I guess NFTs, although I don't think any of us here have particularly strong takes on NFTs. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, maybe we could start with, with, uh, with DeFi and go around the table like... What are you guys seeing for DeFi in 2024? I mean, we can start with Infra because I can talk about that right now. (laughs) I mean, I think this is the most confusing time ever. Uh, You have, you know, we had ETH. It used to be pretty simple. Like you had ETH and then they were moving to this roll-up centric roadmap. And, you know, people use some of these like EVM copy pasta chains for a while. But that's the direction everyone was heading in. And like, you're just going to have these ETH roll-ups and all that. Now you had, you know, the resurgence of Solana taking a lot of retail traders like there's been a ton of trading activity there you have celestia that's launched now um which has you know all they already have a couple roll-ups already they got eclipse coming soon um i think you're going to start to see a lot of new roll-ups use this construction and something we talked about in the report with this like have the bridge to eth and then use celestia da or like eigen da and so that has a lot of implications because now, you know, all those DA costs for rollups, they can cut their DA costs by like 90 plus percent, switching from Ethereum to Celestia. And so that's now going to put like competitive fee pressure on um, like Ethereum, I guess. Uh, and then you still have like all these app chains. Um, Cosmos has seen like their own resurgence even outside of Celestia. Uh, and then, you know, you got stuff like Dimension too. So <clears throat> there's just so many. It seems like there's so many like different ecosystems and like paralyzing like EVM is like another thing, right? Like high throughput EVM chain. Um, so there's just so many different like areas and sectors now. And we still mostly just trade assets, right? And we have like so many options for that now. So that's like, I don't have any super like super strong convictions. Like I still think Solana, that ecosystem will keep growing. Um, I'm not like, I'm I not mean, sure how the Celestia thing shakes out. Like I'm not, I'm not sure how many rollups they get, how many they get with like good usage. Is like Eclipse the the one that most people use? Is there something else? Like, yeah. And then there's 484 yeah. coming for Ethereum too in like a month or two that it's like this new fee market that is only for rollups. Um, and so you'll see a lot of rollups start to deploy there as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think infra has been like the, the infinite money glitch with, with crypto, right? You can just like whatever infra launches, it just gets priced at multiples of applications or, or, or DeFi, right? Cause there are just no fundamentals to, to ground it by the market, you know, for it, it is seems massive. It can be said to, to, to be massive. Um, and these things like all L1s, I think we've seen some pretty crazy valuations on, on all L1s. And there was this theory that, you know, like, okay, Aptos launched, but once 
once Sui launches, it'll dilute, and you know that 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 sort of narrative and and valuations will split, and then once Sui launch, you know, and that just didn't happen. Like they all just they all just keep doing well. Um, and when you look at like the market cap of the applications on these chains, whether you look at it, you know, public market caps or even like private amounts raised, it just doesn't match up at all. Like so, some of these chains have have like eight to ten billion dollar valuations, and the second biggest project on them is like sub hundred mil. You know, yeah. it's 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 pretty wild. Like the ecosystems just do not get. There is no beta play uh, other than like NFTs, really, and those don't 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 get that that many flows either. <clears throat> it's definitely like it's a problem. Chatting. Yeah, well, I guess if you think about the path that we got there, right? Initially, it was kind of on-chain summer, and there wasn't a lot of new money flowing into the space, so you had to play lower liquidity games, and that's why you know you saw a lot of those assets um, doing well. And then as soon as money started flowing in, it was more about these larger caps because you could pump perps on them and you can get them in size, and and you couldn't pin a valuation to them. Whereas apps, I think you, it's it's a bit the value is a bit more tangible here. It's kind of ethereal and, and you know, you just, uh, you, you, you don't ping it to anything really fundamental. You have like the moneyness element, which is just part of that infinite money glitch where the, the L1 token turns into, into money. But, you know, we're certainly far from that on, on almost all of these, except for you know a handful. And so, um, it seems like it's more product of just new money flowing into the space and having nowhere to park itself since you can't really do on-chain in size and then um so like uh, on one hand you know it could continue somewhat uh just using you know the reasons as to why it got here in the first place but i do imagine there's going to be somewhat of a rotation into apps but i think yeah it's it's apps i think are are more tangibly valued and so they they typically end up having higher ceilings or rather lower ceilings yeah, but but also like the massive FDVs, like a lot of the like Celestia, like Suse, Aptos, like they all have like yeah, they're like Celestia is at like fourteen billion or something, but then it's circulating is like two, and that seems that's like the case for for all of those that you listed off. Right now, they're all supporting insanely high valuations, but unless there's like a significant amount of money that comes into the space, like even Arbitrum at like two dollars and twenty cents is twenty two billion, with like you know, $4 billion circulating, something like that. <clears throat> Even like that, I think unlocks are starting in March. I don't know if like all of these, like Arbitrum Optimism and then all the places you just listed supporting these like pretty massive FTVs are going to continue to outperform or shine like they have. Like it's, t- it's tied up, it's timed up really well, in my opinion, because Sol ran first and then people are like looking for these other infra plays and, they all had, you know, low floats, relatively speaking, and you could get size on them and, and pound them on perps. And like, there's a lot of investors who want to generate like liquidity to exit. So I think things um, lined up really well for those plays, but I don't know if that's going to continue in the future, especially as new ones are launched and then they just instantly get priced at like, you know, 5 billion FTV, 1 billion circ. It's like, how long can that continue to happen for before the market like kind of stops supporting that? And I think likely when these unlocks actually start start happening. Yeah, which a I lot mean, of them this is this is why people like meme coins. Before. This is why people yep. like meme coins because it's like they're. This is why a dog with a hat goes to like, you know, a hundred mil 
out of nowhere because it's just all of retail is basically competing against each other. Greater fool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you don't have I mean, like unlocks. So the, the next big one, I guess, if, if you, because there's also been a, a stimulative effect from these airdrops. So you're going to have the next one in, in Eigenlayer, which is going to be a big one, right? That's, I think they're doing 10%. So, that, so what, be a can big... we talk about that more? Like, what do you think that actually is? Because if there's no new money coming in, then it's just kind of paper. <laughs> like, you're just giving someone paper. Like, if there's new dollars flowing in, then you're just, like, handing someone this and, like, saying it's worth that much. Um, and it's kind of weird because when Arbitrum did it more in, like, a bear market, like, you know, like you and I saw, uh, we're a fan of GMX, and, like, we thought the GMX was going to benefit, like, massively from this Arbitrum airdrop. But really, it was the reverse happened. Like people sold RV Eco uh, to buy Arbitrum, and we were like, "Damn!" Because it's no new. It's actually no new net money. So I think like when stuff's like ripping, like when Soul is ripping, and then you have like the um, the, the Gito airdrop. There's like an element of just like people feeling richer that can go on, where it's like no one's selling. They just all mark that to their net worth, and then just like buying more stuff, taking on more risk. But I think at a certain point you actually need new money coming in to, to kind of support these flows beyond this kind of psychological benefit of like the wealth effect on the ecosystem because everyone on paper is worth a bit more. Which is where the ETF comes in, right? And and funds allocate. Because also if you're if you're a larger fund, you know, it's, it's harder to to allocate further out on the risk curve when there's no centralized exchange liquidity for these assets. I mean, or just new use cases, right? Better products that bring in like actual users um, which I think is what's missing from a lot of these all yeah. ones. Um, crypto. But you, huh? <laughs> yeah, from crypto, yeah. But I mean, it's interesting. Like in in the background, there are some cool stuff happening. Like we had this experience with a protocol we're incubating with with Mars, where uh, L ones do realize that they need good apps, right? And there's like a dearth of good app developers and like good app teams, and so there are like some pretty vicious fights going on. In the in the in the in the sort of background with L1s kind of fighting for for apps, um, and it used to be like the Grant Wars, you know that that sort of Polygon was 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 famous for, and they've done a really good job this cycle too of, of attracting applications, um, and that's a really interesting thing, right? Because it's like the market might not price L1 might not price applications correctly, but the L1s kind of know that it is like, as you say, Duncan, like paper, unless you get an ecosystem, a thriving ecosystem of applications on, on, on top of it, right? And ideally native applications, like that's really the, what everyone wants. Um, because I think importing applications like Avalanche style doesn't work too well, like having Aave and Uniswap there. It's kind of like an emerging economy, right? You want to you wanna be have like some protectionist policies initially to develop your own industry rather than like importing in, um, importing in like other applications. Um, and I think that'll be interesting to see. Like, I think Solana is is really the one with with uh, and Cosmos are the ones with the strongest ecosystems outside of outside of Ethereum, like measured by applications and like money raised. Yeah, like even if the uh, I guess the point is like even if the market doesn't value these apps, like L ones do, and like some of the grant wars going on in the background, going on in the background, kind of like show that. And basically, I think they have to kind of try and convert their market cap into applications, right? And I think the ones that deploy their ecosystem funds and their grant programs, the best are really gonna have like huge benefits here and then have like a good vision, good strategy. Obviously the tech has to be good and actually enable new use cases that's compelling. Um, and I also think there's some advantage to not being EVM in this because 
you really like burn your, you know, like kind of with Solana, right? If Solana was EVM, when the FTX thing happened, it probably would have been a lot worse, right? It would have been a lot easier for these teams to to leave and go elsewhere and be seduced by grants because the opportunity cost is way smaller. Whereas if you have your own stack, some differentiated value prop, you, you, you have your own like community. I think that's really like the only way to win long-term. It's also enticing for <clears throat> app developers too. Like, are you going to come in and be a Solidity dev and compete against all these people that have been writing in Solidity for years? Or are you going to take on some new like esoteric language that not a lot of people are experts in and you can kind of like rise to the top, right? I know that's like a pitch that the Starkware guys um, were giving people a lot with uh, Cairo. And yeah, like I don't... It's being early, right? You always just want to be early. Everybody <laughs> like, always wants to be early. And, and it's like our... I mean, have we seen most of the experimentation with like EVM apps? Or is there like new stuff there? I'm not... Totally Honestly, sure. Like when I I bridge over to Solana and used it like recently, like maybe a few months ago. <laughs> well, I bought a couple things on it a while ago, but like actually properly tried to using it, and it is honestly way better than Ethereum. Like Jupiter, like the DCA thing, like built right in, like the low fees, like actually swapping and not getting like paying a lot of money is just like nice instant. Um, there's like a there's a lot of nice features and like really good UI that I kind of didn't even know existed before. I mean, I think like not having token approvals makes like a 10x difference alone. Yeah. Like no, don't even think about anything else. Like just the fact that there's messages no... for all these protocols and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm signing. It's like, it's nice. Like on, <laughs> on, on Ethereum. Wait, on that note, Setters, how long until Fire Dancer gets like... So there, 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 so the networking component is which like doesn't include consensus or the runtime like SVM. It's just like sending, passing stuff to invalidators. That's on testnet right now. And I think that is supposed to be, they're aiming first half of this year to get that on mainnet. So basically um, validators can run. So you'd have the fire dancer networking component, and then you'd have the labs runtime and consensus. And then they're targeting like next year for the full thing, but it's impossible to say. One of the challenging things for them is that Solana keeps changing so rapidly all the time that it's hard to like keep up. Um, so this is one thing that this is just like t contrasting both ecosystems. It's like Ethereum moves a lot slower these days um, because like it would take a lot of effort to like change and have all these different client teams and everything. Um, keep up and you know ethereum is a pretty successful ecosystem right now and so you don't need to be like taking these like move fast and break thing type risks i think solana is starting to transition um into a bit of a slower pace because like the ecosystem's gone pretty big now there are a lot of like applications in different sectors they're relying on a lot um i think their fee markets are still not complete like there's going to be a lot of work there um, and so they kind of need to, I think, slow down on some of the core stuff for a bit and like see how much juice they can get out of the current network, right? I mean, I'm, I'm obviously like bullish Solana, very bullish Solana. I, I don't really see why the UX will be better at scale than than fully deployed rollups. I think there's other criticisms you can make of rollups, but I think the you should be able to get like. Jupiter-like yeah. UX on yeah yeah on for sure. You like... can get it from like a user perspective. You can make it better on a rollup, 
because you can just yeah. have a single sequencer that gives you a soft confirmation and like yeah, it's one users seven, don't right? users don't care about like actual finality and all that stuff um it's a lot of finality is like yeah i mean that's a, that's a whole topic in, on it on its own um yeah go ahead how much do you think uh so you know not to go back to the etf topic but you know part of what if you assume in the long run the experience is is relatively comparable um then it kind of depends on on mind share and 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 capital flows and i think you know ETH, the probability of an ETH etf relative to the the probability of a solana etf is 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 you know miles apart and so um how much of that do you think plays into the level of mainstream adoption that will happen as a result Cyrus, you had this good point because I asked the same thing about the roll. Because like if rollups are the same execution as, or like the same user experience as Solana, like you know, that obviously sounds like ETH has a big advantage. But then I think you were talking about the like the shared liquidity layer of Solana. Yeah, I mean, should you can... ignore Jan's question. Should we just, should we just no? That's, that's that, what it, that is the question. No, it's like, but I thought I think... this question was ETF related. Yeah, yeah, but well, no, he's saying. Like... Anyways, okay. he's he, 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 <laughs> going into one of the assumptions in it. He's basically okay. saying that if the, if ETH has his ETF I appreciate and that, okay. Solana doesn't <laughs> and they have the same UX, then ETH should do better because it gets more, or how does ETH do better because it gets more capital? And then we're going back to the UX point. Yeah, I mean, Solana is just going to, they're always going to have or aim to have like the most throughput, uh, the most applications on one chain than anything else. And so while like these individual rollups, yeah, you can make them feel a lot faster and everything. Um, yeah. I, I, sorry, go ahead. The other thing too is like, it's also just the developers and the applications at the end of the day. Like I agree that, yeah, ETH is going to get a lot of institutional capital. But where are the actual retail users going? Like retail users, it doesn't matter if institutions are like allocating to ETH. Um, they're still going to go wherever gives them like the best experience. And I, I also don't think that like, and just because ETH is getting an ETF and Soul won't, I don't think that's like bearish for Soul in any way. Soul still like no, that's the way you guys framed it in the in the report in one of the reports where it was like uh, Soul has more narrative shots on Go, something like this, where you, you talked about like they have a bunch of payments apps, they have like the Solana phone, they have Fire Dancer, they have a bunch of things going on that give it more narrative shots on Go, and. I also think there's like more of an intangible point, which is just like fragmentation of of attention, right? Like with with ETH, it feels like every new rollup that launches, people just get like pissed off, right? It's like, oh, another rollup. It's just like, it's it, it fragments attention. It fragments users. It's like more bridges, uh, you know, bridges the multi-sig or whatever. People are pissed off about that. Whereas with Solana, everything that that launches is like aligned and and bullish bullish soul, right? Everyone is 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 like aligned there. I think that makes a big difference, and it's kind of one of the things that Cosmos suffered from. That I think it's it's improving a lot recently, which is there was no central token to ape, right? This is like an obvious point. Like Adam never really fulfilled that role, but I think what you're seeing now with Cosmos is new launches are very bullish Cosmos because of IBC, because composability kind of um, was, was was like a design consideration that came first every new token launch that's successful effectively like increases the market cap of the interchain, right? Like Osmosis, when Tia launches, they do a bunch of volume, they get a bunch of TVL. When Anoma launches, they're going to do a bunch of volume, get a bunch of TVL. DYDX, like all these new Cosmos chains, like grow the market cap and the, and like the, the, the volume of stuff happening on, on Cosmos Rails. 
And I feel like Cosmos and Solana kind of share that now, but ETH is more fragmented um, because it's bigger. And it, it also makes it like people what people saying about ETH, right? Less clear narrative to, to ape it and stuff. And I don't really know how to how to solve that, how that gets solved rather. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think so on the Cosmos thing. So that was one of like our big thesis at the end of the previous year. So like 2023 year ahead. And uh, it really took until the end of last year until Cosmos started getting this like positive momentum and like this composability with all these new chains launching. And so, yeah, there was definitely a point there near the end of last year that I did start to think like, does IBC just like go away? Like, are people going to be using this stuff anymore? Um, but I don't really think that anymore. And then on the Ethereum thing, yeah, I, I so like Ethereum is always, in my opinion, will always have usage and will always have rollups using it, like no matter what. Because if people just like stop using Ethereum for, for DA and everything and it becomes cheap, there's like this Jevons paradox where it's like, well, we might as well as use like Ethereum. It's the most secure, longest, oldest chain, all this. Um, but I do agree that it's hard to kind of coalesce around things because in Cosmos, to your point, when all these new chains launch, they normally aren't doing exactly the same thing and they're doing something like a bit different. And then there's like this camaraderie, camaraderie in a sense and like everybody gets these airdrops and all this stuff. And it's like everyone is kind of together in it uh, versus in like Ethereum now, there's like pretty strong competition between each rollup ecosystem. And this is something we talked about in the year ahead report too, where they're all launching their own, you know, they all have their own bridge to Ethereum. And then the rollups of that ecosystem like share liquidity on that bridge. So you're kind of creating new silos um, in like these rollup ecosystems. And so that's what I think, I think the social aspect, like the social scaling for Ethereum is like the most challenging thing there. Um, and like, I, I don't think all these rollup ecosystems are going to last because there's just, there's kind of like too many. And so yeah. are the ones that are losing the Ethereum race, are they just going to like pivot and just become like do Celestia for everything now and like not even have any bridge of all that or, but yeah. Could you, uh, argue that that can, I think you can also make the argument that it's bullish, right? You have new incentives for new builders to come in and try and, 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 and dominate in their like sub ecosystem within ETH, which helps bring in new investment capital and, and versus, you know, something that's already pretty established and it's harder to break in to, to rebuild primitives that are potentially slightly better. And, and it's just a function of how big it is, right? Like if anything gets to the size of ETH, it will also have fragmented narratives. I think, I mean, like Solana has Eclipse, right? As an as an L two, uh, if 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 that gets traction, there will be others. Like I don't know. I think um, it's kind of like. And for me, I don't, it sounds uh, kind of lame, but I do think ETH is money. Like uh, everyone wants to have an ETH bridge or like settle to ETH because you have that. Uh, and it's kind of like the argument that BTC Maxis made about ETH, right? If ETH might be useful, but uh, Bitcoin is money, and so Bitcoin will be the prime like collateral and and like store value on ETH, and that that didn't really play out. But I feel like with ETH, with it, it is actually playing out, and like with it being net deflationary, which I feel like people have just forgotten about. Like I, I just think that's like a huge. Yeah, I don't know if that matters. Fundamentally, it's 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 negligible. 
but yeah. uh, narrative-wise, sure, especially when yeah. yields come down. Yeah, I mean, no, ETH is definitely money. And listen, all these assets are money to an extent. Like, you know, if people denominate much? it in it, it is like all money. All my coins are money. <laughs> <laughs> but Moving I think... on to... One one quick thing, just like on the narrative front or like what's actual today is just, I think like Solana just has a way better experience for trading. And that's like the main use case of crypto right now is trading other cryptos. And like Solana's like use case um, or like, I guess like Solana's functionality for trading is just like way better than ETH or any of the L2s right now. And supposedly going to get better with like if they have a proper, like if like a DYDX platform comes online with like some proper liquidity on Solana like that's gonna no, be no but that won't I don't think perps that, makes that sense on Solana because you don't like perps make sense app chain app chain perps because yeah. you only need one collateral asset like on Solana you need like spot order books like Phoenix because you have like millions of assets and so you need that like composability on that one layer and you don't want to move spot assets like off different chains and everything but if you're talking just like pure trading experience like even DYDX they looked at Solana, right? When they were considering moving and it was like, well, we'd have to take up the majority of Solana's throughput for our application. Um, That's the thing. I don't think it offers a better trading experience than uh, like maybe Spot is, spot, is obviously spot, really, yeah. really good. Spot right now, but for, for perps like Vertex, um, DYDX and Hyperliquid, I think are, are crushing Spot's it. Spot's always going to for action. Yeah. Yeah, I think app chains actually have product market fit for for perps like it's pretty cool two out of three i think of the i mean for me the, the top perp platforms um maybe that moves us on to to DeFi. do you guys have anything to to say on on DeFi? anything you're excited about it feels like there hasn't been much innovation in a while it's hard it's hard to yeah materially innovate. so i think i think i think uh this uh sanctum is pretty cool this is a solana what, what, sorry? sanctum so okay. they are, we wrote about this in both the DeFi and Info report. Um, they're not live yet, but Sanctum is essentially a liquidator DAO for LSTs on Solana. So the biggest problem with like LSTs is that you need a bunch of liquidity for them in order for DeFi protocols, especially like money markets to underwrite them. What Sanctum does is that they'll buy any LST and deal with like the two to three day unbonding because um unstaking that uh like on, on solana unstaking it's it's like one epoch epoch um so it's like relatively quick so it's like a couple days um so basically you can now start accepting collateral and, and solana is also launching these single single stake pool like lsts so you can have an lst that's only one validator so if you just want to you want like to have an lst but you don't want to you know use like cheetos or marinade or whatever and you just want like one specific validator you can do that too right and so sanctum solves a real problem here where like you're not going to have DeFi protocols underwriting millions of or hundreds of like individual lst tokens right but sanctum now sits on like this back end where it'll liquidate for these protocols any lst that they have um and so that why I think this is cool is because it also kind of reduces the chance of having one dominant LST that takes up so much of the liquidity and then becomes kind of like this existential threat on like the DeFi ecosystem if there's ever an exploit or anything, right? Because like this is like not fixable on Ethereum at this point. Lido is never going to lose that spot. And if anything ever happens to Lido, like 
I mean, that's... Is that really going to generate a lot of fees, though? I feel like it's it's a very useful product, but it's not really going to be... Well, yeah, like, we'll have to see. Why do you say it that way? Just like your contrarian thing, Lido. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, any, any You're the only president I know who says it that way. Sounds cool, though. How do you say, how do you say Delphi? <laughs> the way you said it. <laughs> Go on, Duncan. Uh, I was just asking Setter if he liked any other Solana DeFi protocols. Oh, you're trying to get things to ape? Duncan's open enough. <laughs> well, I think two of the things that I've wanted, that I think we've all wanted to see for, for a while that's just never taken off, that I'm hoping will take off in 2024. Well, three maybe. First one is like copy trading or like social fi. Like I feel like someone's gonna nail this at some point. I just feel like it's like perfect product for crypto and for for uh for, for like crypto Twitter and then DeFi culture. There's obviously a lot of like implementation issues with it, uh with, with front running and things like this. But I think someone's gonna nail it either with private rounds, like an angel list syndicate type thing, or with, with, with public rounds, like I think telegram bots are are pretty interesting approach there. The other one is like interest rate swaps. Like I'm surprised they still, I mean, Pendle did okay, but I'm surprised they still haven't got any traction, right? It feels like uh, everyone was predicting this last year with Stake ETH, right? There was going to be like a, a yield curve and there's going to be, be leverage trading this stuff. That hasn't hasn't really happened yet. And then the third one is, is just like better ICO slash launchpad primitives, which, you know, we're, we're helping build, but I do feel like that's an important one. And maybe, maybe the last one, just like UX improvements to DeFi. I feel like Telegram bots this year were a huge uh, breakthrough, uh, even, even though they look like toys right now, like the fact that they can charge these fees and stuff. And, and I do think the chat interface is an interesting one to play with uh, for, for just like crypto generally, right? Like chat interface plus AI of just being able to type like bridge my assets, you know, like the intent space. I also, I also think it suits an intent based world very well, right? Where you just say, I want to buy X, uh, you know, uh, whatever Sanctum, once it launches on Solana, get me the best, the best route. And then it just, it just kind of does it. And I feel like seeing, seeing a, a, a meaningful UX innovation to MetaMask would be really cool too. So I guess those four are like things that I would love to see take off. Yeah, at some I do. Point. I do think intense will be, I know it's like a meme and people will get triggered when you say intense, but I do think uh, most most is going to move towards that. It also kind of one like underrated thing is that it helps with like blind signing, because uh, no more most of the time when you're like blind signing stuff, there's just like this long like hash string and it's like not human readable and anything and everything. And intense kind of fix that uh, where you actually know like exactly what you're signing. Yeah, I need uh, that. Yeah, but yeah, like on even like perps, I feel like which has been the most successful product of DeFi. It's like it's kind of hard to innovate beyond like there's there like there can't really be a breakthrough there like i guess all the stock exchanges in the world have decided like this is the best way to do trading so it's like i'm not sure if we're going to get a massive breakthrough on that if that's kind of already consensus and tested for for a long time like it could come at some point and obviously like there's some interesting takes on it like GMX, but that's not really like or like any of the Oracle models. But I think it's going to be pretty difficult to uh, to make a breakthrough there. I also think there's on the copy trading side. I mean, I'm sure there could be improvements, but the market's kind of spoken uh, in terms of 
the demand for, right? You had the asset management protocols. Those never really took off. You had like even you have copy trading on like Bybit and others and, and it hasn't really taken off. Um, so I just I, think, I think the, like the UX issues are a big one, right? Like that, like because there's there's yeah. just like ways to gamify it and front running and, and, and all that stuff and um but yeah, it just kinda seems like everyone thinks they can generate their own alpha. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I think I disagree with that because I, I think there's a massive cohort of people that just like trade based on Twitter. Like today, everyone gets bullish, like Hasaka tweets and then they open along and, you know, like uh, Ansem shills a token, they open along. So it's like, I think when, whenever you see a behavior that's already happening in kind of like an inefficient way, I feel like that's a sign that there's there's a potential product there. Um, and I see the same thing with like Telegram bots. Uh, I just feel like a lot of these things are happening, but we haven't found the right like product unlock. And, and I do think the right copy trading feature will be like very blended in with a social app where you know, like a lot of crypto Twitter, uh, or not a lot, but but a, a good part of crypto Twitter is already like flexing, like trades and and and, and PNL either overtly or covertly, right? Taking victory laps and having that in like a verified way where people can actually have like um and and then I think building copy trading features on top of that, I think is super interesting. I think there's different ways to get there. Like the syndicate approach is another one, but I do think it'll happen eventually. Honestly, yeah. So. Maybe last one. Uh, I don't think anyone anyone here maybe has strong takes on gaming other than you, Jan. Uh, do you want to give a quick? I feel like we've predicted like four of the last zero gaming bull markets. You know, we've been saying every year like the year of gaming. Uh, I'm still very bullish on that thesis, uh, but uh, I'm curious. Like, what do you what do you think? I mean, zero would be incorrect. Uh, True. But Four, four, yeah, yeah. Four, four, right, four I mean, zero. One <laughs> gaming, gaming but, bull market. Well, well, I think so. The last gaming bull market was was um, obviously twenty twenty one and and early twenty two, uh, but that was on the back of just uh, you know insane speculation within crypto itself, and so you know that mm -hmm. reflexively kind of fueled the the the. Um, the crypto game. I didn't really I mean bull market. I meant more like just like adoption of games, like right. crypto games. Yeah, I think. Players, yeah. Well, so so games take a while to build. So you know, there's a lot of like you had the the deployment of capital into into Axie in like 2019, 2020. That then, uh, or like 2019, that then you know created what happened in 2021. Uh, I, I think you know that then fueled another wave of of investing, and and that's starting to kind of come to play now and so uh, yeah the, the bigger learnings are basically obfuscating the the crypto element in the sense that you don't require any interaction with crypto to play and so it's it's you know we don't necessarily need to go into all the the, the benefits we think crypto offers gaming because that's already been you know rehashed a bunch but it's more about introducing that as a carrot rather than making it a requirement to play and so i think you're seeing a lot of new games adopt that approach where you know you, you kind of open the top of the funnel as wide as possible and then um the earn element or, or you know claiming your 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 nfts or your resources or whatever it is that you won that's when you kind of introduce the crypto element so i think a lot of games are taking that approach plus it just takes a while to to spin these up and so um and then the, 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 there's a few exciting like ones we're excited about that i'm not going to go into now but 
Um, uh, yeah, I, I think this is certainly going to be uh, an exciting time as you're starting to see a lot of interesting games launch and, and allow people to play them as easily as possible. It also just Can you yeah, show something that you're excited about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Itopia, Cypher. Um, All of these uh, are portfolio companies, by the way. Yeah, so not, not not financial advice. But or maybe, maybe just show like maybe, or maybe just talk about like two or three that you're excited about, or just one that you're excited about, and like why. Uh, maybe the what's the Clash of Clans one? That well, by the way, Jan is yeah. like a Jan is an, an extreme gamer. For for those who don't know, he was like. Uh, whatever the, the hell is gym master of grand central station in pokemon go is is one of the top spenders on on robit is played every every game in the, the moon clash of clans so he's uh yeah he knows his stuff when it comes to this well yeah have you played clash royale do you play that one i played it for a little while yeah we should get on <laughs> i'm down <laughs> um no it's uh, yeah so uh i guess yeah we can Topia's got the the it's around we led recently and and has the I think one of the ones that has launches coming up basically a uh, an improved version of Minecraft which you know M Minecraft right now exists because creators are creating these worlds and game types that that the hundred million monthly active users really enjoy right and that, that's what keeps the game evergreen there hasn't really been development from the original creators it's more uh, it's more community based creation so what this game is doing is allowing for those creators to better monetize what they're doing. And so, you know, what you want to target is you, you, you create a world where the creators themselves make more money than they do in Minecraft. And, and that would help bring over some of the players that are only there for those people in the first place. And so, you know, the idea is this is a game where you don't need to reintroduce the world to this game or introduce the world to this game and teach them about it. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, one of the most popular games in the world. And so capturing even 1% of that audience uh, can, is, is really material in terms of bringing users on board. And, and the idea is it, it looks exactly like Minecraft with improvements to UI but it, it's and, and UX, but, it, but it's effectively a very similar game. And, and so everyone who's already playing can easily move in. It's backwards compatible. And then at the same time, the creators are the ones that the people are here for and they're financially incentivized to basically do what they're doing but but make more money doing it the one liner from right. Utopia is minecraft plus roblox with crypto economics like crypto marketplace frictionless payments and game monetization like items for, for player zone i'm also very excited about it nice cool all right guys i think with that we can wrap up Really enjoyed this episode. Thought it was one of the better ones we've we've recorded. Um, we'll try and keep the cadence on these more regular in 2024. Do them, do them every two weeks. I uh, hope you enjoyed and happy ETF day to all of you out there.